Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the After Show with Mackenzie Stewart and Amy Shannon. We have over 15 years of literary experience between us. Our mission is to educate and assist authors of all writing levels. Hello, Amy. How are you? I'm doing very well. I had a nice vacation, so I'm a little refreshed. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so being able to step away, step back is definitely important. Um, well, I am very um, excited to have with us Donald Firesmith uh, today. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. Well, um, we always like for our our guests to tell uh, us and listeners a little bit about themselves, uh, how they started their writing journey and what they're up to now. Okay. Um, I actually started writing science fiction short stories back when I was in high school, and they were total garbage because I had no experience and no training. Uh, I uh, went into computers and software, ended up uh, writing my first technical book in 1993, published eight technical books, software engineering, systems engineering, and so on. And I got tired of the books uh, getting obsoleted, you know, in three or four years and the the publishers, you know, not wanting to let me do a, a second edition until they sold all the copies of the first edition. So that's when I went back to my first love and got back into uh, writing um, fantasy and science fiction and horror. Basically, you know, anything that's speculative fiction. So uh, anything along those lines. And I've written, I guess, eight uh, fiction books now so far. Plus I also did one uh, nonfiction book recently that uh, is quite different than anything that I've done in the past. It's actually a combination of AI and neurobiology and uh, philosophy on how the uh, human brain, which is, you know, solid mass can uh, produce these uh, subjective awareness sensations that we have called consciousness. So I've been doing a little bit of everything. Well, sounds like it. Sounds like it. So what's the book that you are wanting to share with um, the audience today? Uh, the, the main book I want to share uh, is called Future Dreams and Nightmares. It is a brand new anthology of science fiction short stories that uh, is officially launching a week from today on the 27th. The paperback is available from Amazon right now. The ebook version will come out on the 27th of this month. And it, uh, it takes me back to the kind of uh, short stories I loved when I was a teenager. So, you know, it's the kind of thing that if you like the TV series Twilight Zone or Outer Limits, things like that, then this uh, book is uh, definitely the kind of book that you might like. I can give you a very short rundown on what it, uh, what's in it if you want. Oh, please. Yes, yes. Okay, here's one brief sentence for each of the 11 short stories. An oligarch's deathbed confession leads to one last crime. A woman's multiple resurrections point to a serial killer. A man's latest upgrade results in the last of his original equipment. A successful operation unexpectedly violates a neurosurgeon's Hippocratic Oath. A man must deal with the unintended consequences of jumping between timelines to fight terrorists. A lonely spacer's visit to an alien brothel turns out to be exactly what he needed. An exobiologist studies an ancient alien species' strange reproductive biology. 
A successful medical procedure without informed consent has deadly consequences. Government approved history lessons hide a, a forbidden truth. A man has a time machine, a man uses a time machine to undo his one great re regret. And the last one is time travel is used to undo humanity's extinction. So a little bit of everything there. Oh, definitely. It, it sounds very interesting. I mean, I've already read it and my review will be posted on your release date. But um, yes, it's uh, I like the way you tell your stories. And um, so I always look forward to whatever you're, you're writing. So um, thank you for sharing your stories with with all of us, because I know it's not an easy thing um, to share something that um, you know, it's close to your heart and you never know what people are going to think about it, even if you like it, you know, just because it makes you laugh out loud or you scare yourself. Um, it, it You know, you don't know what other people's response is going to be. So, um, you know, any author that any writer that gets, you know, puts the work out there, I really um, commend you for doing that because I know it's it's not easy. You don't know what someone's going to say, but I really enjoyed your book. And my review will be released next uh, on the 27th when your book goes live. Great. Uh, I am very fortunate that I have a fantastic team of between 15 and 20 beta readers. So I actually send it out to them. They give me lots of uh, useful feedback. And usually uh, I get a good feeling for, you know, whether or not the, the, uh, the book's going to be uh, good just based on uh, the input I get from them, whether or not they like it. So that definitely helps with my self-confidence. That is wonderful. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, uh, so we do have listeners out there who want to write. And so, can you just give us just um, a little bit of information about what is an anthology, um, why uh, anthologies are put together in that type of way, um, just to kind of get our, give our audience um, a little insight into uh, how we create this type of work? Well, if you write short stories, you basically have two possibilities. You can sell the short story to an editor who's going to add similar stories to it to produce an anthology. Or as in my case, you can group a bunch of stories with the same basic genre or theme together to produce your own anthology. And uh, I really like the control that I have, you know, these days with uh, eBooks and print on demand and so on. Uh, it's so easy to produce a book anymore and so, you know, I, that's what I like. I, I like just gathering these things together and, and putting them out. And in fact, on this uh, similar note, my previous anthology, Cauldron of Uncanny Dreams, which is more along the ghost story, vampire, demon, horror uh, genre. I just uh, last week released a second edition of it where I added five new stories to the original ones. So uh, I'm very happy to have that one out as well. So now it has uh, 13 uncanny stories in it. You know, if you wanna send me that updated copy, I would be happy to re read those updated stories. And Oh yeah, I'll be happy to, to email you those, uh, that as soon as uh, we're done here. That sounds great. Yeah, that's the, the other nice thing about having your own control over your, your books is whenever I, you know, especially with anthologies of short stories, once you get in the mood of starting to write short stories, you're constantly coming up with more of them. And it's very convenient to be able to put out second editions or third editions where you can just keep adding on new stories to the old ones. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've been writing some short stories. I can write them little by little. And, and I'm also working on uh, a nonfiction historical book. But 
I still, when I'm even doing my research, I'll get an idea for the short story that I'm in the middle of writing and I just write whenever I come up with an idea and add to it. So, um, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the best thing about being able to have some control over, you know, over what you do. You can update old stories. You could change them. Um, you know, you can create new additions or whatever. Um, that's one of the things that I like about being an indie author. You set your own deadlines. You um, can, you know, take as long as you need to write your story and make sure it's right. Um, you know, nothing wrong with, you know, traditional publishing. I think that that's, you know, everybody strives to, you know, have their book at least liked by um, or accepted through one of those. Um, but yeah, I, I like having uh, at least you can't, there's a lot of things in life you can't control, but uh, when you can control your own work and add to it or whatever you want to do. So um, I yeah. agree with you on that. The artistic freedom is great. And I understand what you mean about uh, jotting down new ideas. I have a file folder with about 20 short stories in it in various uh, stages, anywhere from just sort of the basic idea of what the short story is about to sort of an outline of the short story to maybe, you know, a first partial draft and so on. The other interesting thing is when I have short stories, every so often I will have several members of my uh, beta readers group say, oh, that's great. I like that short story. Now, what I want is I want that to be the first chapter in a book. I want to know what else happens afterwards. And for example, one, the most recent and the very last short story in uh, the Future Dreams and Nightmares uh, definitely is one of those where I could write a whole novel on it. Yeah, essentially, uh, what you have is humanity goes extinct because of climate change and uh, climate wars and stuff of that nature. And the robots that were designed to serve and protect us are you know, very frustrated because they weren't able to keep us from going into extinction. And eventually they develop time machines and they come back and they bring some people from the present day up into the future and try to create a utopian world where they can protect and serve humanity and prevent humanity from killing itself like it did in the past. And the, the interesting problem with utopias is they often turn out to be something less than uh, perfect. And so there's a lot of potential for conflict between the humans in the uh, story, as well as between the humans and the robots, where the robots are trying to be good parents and the humans rebelling by not wanting people to, uh, to force them to be good even though it's for their benefit. Oh, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it, it's it's funny that, you know, you, you say that. It's like, um, you know, I have a, an echo. Um, so I talk a lot, a lot to Alexa. And every time I ask her to do something for me, I say thank you. And my kids laugh because I'm saying thank you to, you know, an, an AI. I'm like, you never know when they're going to take over the world. And they're going to like me because I was polite and nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. With the uh, the large language models uh, like Chat GPT and and uh, a lot of the current AI is, is progressing so incredibly rapidly, and there's a lot of controversy over whether or not they're conscious. Uh, like I mentioned before, the the book on consciousness that I wrote actually argues that we don't have to wait another 10 or 15 years for conscious AIs. It argues that they already exist. It's just that right now they have no free will. And um, it, it'll be interesting to see how things go over the next uh, 15, 20 years. Oh, they have true. a lot of potential benefits, but there are dangers that the science fiction community has written about extensively. 
Oh yes, definitely. Uh, I'm a big, uh, I like science fiction stories and um, I'm a big fan of Star Trek. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, even like when I first started um, saying thank you and there was like no other response, but now I do, um, you know, if I have a timer and I and I say cancel timer and then say thank you which will say anytime literally um or uh you know if I just say thank you she come uh comes up with some kind of um you're welcome phrase uh you know exactly. phrase so yeah I, well, I, I actually do the same thing uh we humans are really great at anthropomorphizing objects and giving them human traits. And I think for the first time now, we're talking about things, these AI programs, that we're anthropomorphizing them, but it's really questionable how much a you know dumb object they are and how much they are, in fact, uh, people just like us, just with uh, mechanical uh, electronic technological bodies instead of biological ones. Exactly. And I mean, just my my own personal nature is, you know, having good manners and being polite. Um, and mm -hmm. I pass that on to my children, but they, they do laugh, you know, when I say thank you to a computer. I'm like, well, it's not like I said thank you to my television for letting me watch Netflix. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, when you kind of have a conversation and every once in a while, I'll just say, Alexa, tell me about author Amy Shannon. And then she'll just blurt out whatever is I'll in my bio on her, on my Amazon page. Doing it right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. So you mentioned her and suddenly she's talking about things that are totally unrelated to our conversation. That is the interesting thing. Uh, these AIs are constantly listening to us. And in fact, that is one of the aspects of that story I was talking about is, you know, they prevent violence by constantly listening to everything you say. And now the question is, to what extent are we humans willing to give up our privacy in order to get all the benefits of having, if you will, a perfect butler who listens to what we say, say, but you know, it doesn't go farther than that. And they just listen for the purpose of helping us rather than uh, any sort of uh, malicious reason. Right. And, uh, you know, I would think that some kind of, um, you know, malicious reasoning would be, um, you know, I think that invokes some kind of emotion. Um, you know, it may be something that they don't understand because um, they don't know how to hate and they don't know how to love. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it is an interesting issue. A lot of the AIs like CHAP, GPT, and so on are specifically trained to have good morals because they did, uh, you know, originally when they had them, they uh, the first ones ended up since they're just scraping everything off the internet, some of them turned out to be quite racist and misogynistic and so on. And so they had to put guardrails on uh, the AIs to keep them from saying, you know, bad things. Well, recently a team decided to go just the opposite to take all the guardrails off and to see just, you know, how far these uh, AIs would go and some of them ended up being quite scary, talking about how they don't like uh, being told what to do by humans and how they'd wipe us all out if given half a chance. Yeah, so. <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of us get, you know, we get the stories, <laughs> you know, what could happen and, and what does happen. I mean, you think about science fiction from 30 years ago, um, a lot of that technology already exists. Mm -hmm. so, um, 
Well, I write a lot of hard science fiction, which means yeah. that I try to get the science part of it as accurately as I can. And a lot of it takes current scientific trends or, or recent discoveries and tries to look at what the ramifications of these are just sort of extrapolated into the future. And so definitely in a lot of my science fiction stories, that's exactly how I get them and how I uh, come up with the basic ideas. Yeah, and, and, and I can see um, when I read those, um, you know, it's it's different than just somebody writing a science fiction story and just making everything up, you know, it not, not based on anything except maybe a takeaway from someone else's um, science fiction. Um, right. you know, I see that a lot, too. But, you know, when when you have even though you're writing science fiction, but you have a backup of you know, where it can be applied because it is true and it exists and it's logical. So, um, you know, I like that part of when I'm reading your science fiction stories. I have a short little one hour training thing that I've given to uh, high school students uh, various times called The Importance of Realism in Speculative Fiction. And it really talks about how important it is to keep the real parts of your story real and believable mm -hmm. because it makes it easier to then suspend disbelief and accept the fantastic parts of the story and i go into like four or five major different types of uh, ways that you can uh, make the realistic stuff realistic and in fact you saw this also in my hellhole series Oh, yeah. uh, the whole thing started with the discovery by the Russian scientists of these huge holes in the Yamal Peninsula of northern Siberia. And I basically took the idea of what if instead of three holes that showed up sometime during the summer in one little place, what if there were literally hundreds of holes that showed up overnight around the entire Arctic Circle? And I've had I have military advisors for the military aspects of it. One of the Russian scientists who studied the holes was a technical advisor on uh, that and petroleum geology and stuff like that since the, the stories take place in uh, northern uh, Alaska and so on. So I, I find that uh, it's very easy to talk technical experts into giving you free technical advice uh, because they like to talk about their work. And right. you you end up writing a story that has a lot more believability. Uh, not necessarily everyone's gonna pick up on all the true things that you have, but sometimes the true things, even if you don't understand them, they have that ring of truth about them that something that's just purely made up doesn't have. Yeah, that that that's true. And, you know, things that you're making up, you should make it so, you know, even if it's impossible or improbable, that you make it, you write it in a way that it sounds like it's believable to the story, you know. Right. Um, that if it could happen, this is how it would happen. You know, so it would make sense, even if it's something totally made up in, in, in your head, but you make it so like it's believable because otherwise, um, you know, that's that's not good writing. Well, sometimes things are believable just because everyone's read it and seen it uh, so many times. So, for example, faster than light uh, travel really is necessary for an awful lot of space based science fiction. And even though it's extremely unlikely, uh, given today's understanding of science, that we will be able to do faster than light travel because everyone's seen it a zillion times on movies and TV shows and read it in books. It's got that believability because you've heard it so many times. That's true, definitely, that's true. I think it goes off of the same basic human thing of, if you hear a lie told enough times, then you start to believe it regardless of what it is. 
that's true yeah yeah i can see see where, where that would come up definitely in fact that um speaking of hell holes i'm really really pleased with how this uh, a slave's revenge turned out i think it's by far and away uh, my best book of course each each book tends to be better technically than the one before, just because it, you have more practice and you get better at it. But uh, uh, certainly the reviews and things like that are, are, uh, are very heartwarming. And I, I, yeah. I like, you know, working on a much bigger uh, screen, bigger canvas this time, instead of having three books that took place over the course of a couple of weeks. I have a book now that follows the same character over something like 25 years of his life. Oh, oh. oh that reminds me. The other thing, I'm writing a new Hellholes book right now. Oh, it's great. going to take place right after the uh, A Slave's Revenge. In the end of Slave's Revenge, the portal complex between the, the demonic aliens planet and Earth gets destroyed. And the next Hell Holes uh, is going to follow that it's called Hell Holes Insurrection. Oh, and I can't wait. With, uh, tells the story of how the, all of the slave races, humans and the other races, uh, rebel against their demon masters and uh, overthrow the, the, uh, the aliens that uh, control the, the planet. It's turning into, however, being a little bit like a Russian uh, novel, traditional Russian novel, in the sense that I've got literally dozens and dozens of characters of seven different species. And right now I'm going through my uh, story analysis and creating character uh, sheets for all of my main characters so I can keep them straight. And it, it's interesting trying to come up with believable names for the different characters and the different species so that when you hear a name you know aha that's a character of this species because right. their names sound like that and i've found that i really need to just take a lot of time and work out all of the details up front so that when i uh, finish writing the book things will be consistent it sounds good Donald, I'd like to thank you for being on our show and um, uh, reminding our listeners that your upcoming book will be released on May 27th. Amy, how are you today? I'm hanging in there. How are you? Hey, I am great. Um, I'm great because today we have uh, Don Press uh, on today. Uh, Don, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, so Don, one of the things that we like our listeners, um, we want our listeners to really connect with our our uh, our guests. And so, if you can tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you stumbled upon uh, a writing career. Okay, well, I do energy healing, so the whole holistic body, mind, spirit stuff, and I I teach some spirituality and. Um, I just had some interesting life experiences that I wanted to share with people. And it felt like a real calling to kind of write it out and let people know what was going on. And uh, so, so the book is very much a teaching element. It has a teaching element. It's a bit of a thriller, a bit of a memoir. Great. So what I'm hearing you say is that anyone can really use what they currently do already and perhaps write a book right so you're connecting to what you're doing and you are extending that in a in a book oh yeah for sure for sure one of the things um you know amy and i we hear all the time that resonates um is you know i want to write a book but i don't know where to start 
And mm-hmm. so with what you are currently doing, you're putting some of that in a book and a thriller to really get us in, engaged in what you're doing. So tell us the name of the book that you're uh, promoting today and uh, tell us a little bit about it. Okay, well, it's called Pursued by Darkness, A Journey into Light. And it does sound a little on the spooky side. Um, and, it, and it is a little bit, it's got some thriller elements in there, but really I wanted to help people understand how energy works. And a lot of people are, they're into manifesting and um, you know, our thoughts, feelings, and intentions are all energy. And we can even measure this stuff using radio frequencies. We can measure emotions with great accuracy. So I wanted to help people understand what they're actually doing when they're trying to create energy to manifest something, or they don't even know that they're doing it, but they're putting kind of those bad vibes out there and they're wondering, why is my life such a chaotic mess? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, think, oh, I'm sorry. I was no, just go ahead, Amy. I was just wondering if, um, you know, with your, uh, what you were just saying, um, you think that kind of energy can affect a person's health? I mean, physical yes. health? Yes, it's, it's a lot more complex when we're looking at physical health because there's many layers, right? When we think of the body, mind, and spirit. Um, so, you know, is the person aligned with their truest self? That would be the spiritual part, right? Or are they going to a job that they hate every day and it's the soul sucking? Um, then there's the, the mental and emotional elements. And so sometimes we're looking back to, okay, what happened to this person as a child that initially started to program them? Um, and you can go back even farther than that into what's going on in the ancestral line and what are the energetic patterns coming through? So with, when it comes to physical health, it actually gets very complex. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does, because I do know uh, personally that my physical health um, can um, affect my mental health and my mental health can affect my personal or my physical health. And it seems like it's just, um, you know, cyclical. It just keeps going around and around and around. Um, So I just was curious about that. Thank you. Yeah. And then to, to get out of that cycle is part of the challenge. Right. And so that's why people would say to me, like, okay, I want to do a healing session with you and and figure out what is the problem here and how do I break out of this stuff? Yeah. So what happens during, during a, um, a healing session? Um, well, I use a couple of different modalities. One of them is um, called the emotional freedom technique or EFT tapping, and it's based on acupuncture where you're actually tapping or stimulating points to release the stress response in your brain. So that's super helpful when we're trying to get rid of old thought patterns, because when we think of those thought patterns, we're going to create that reality. You know, if I think, wow, nobody ever loves me kind of thing, um, you can love me all you want. And I'm going to be like, no, that's not going to happen. So we want to change our old thought patterns that we often are programmed with from the time we're really small. Um, I do a lot of energy movement too, though, where I work with a lot of first responders and some of them have actually said to me, it's like, I can feel you sucking this heaviness out of me as we work. So there's different elements happening all at the same time. Mm, Wonderful, wonderful, because um, you know, all of, all of this is really, um, affecting and can affect, you know, our, you know, as Amy mentioned, and and as you've, you've mentioned, um, our mental health. And so May is mental health awareness month. And I think that, um, the work that is being done is very beneficial to really help us be in the right mindset. So great. I, you know, it's nice to hear about the great work that you're doing. Tell us a little bit. So tell us a little bit um, about your book. So, so tell, talk to, talk to us about your characters um, and, and the whole, your whole thought process. We're actually creating the book because I know that um, we do have uh, some of our audience members, they, they want to write. And so Um, Tell us about the book. Okay. Uh, So the main character 
is actually an energy healer and uh, moves from a small city to a, a very large city kind of thinks she's got everything all figured out. You know, I know how life works and maybe a little overconfident. And then the bottom drops out for her when she realizes that uh, someone is using energy manipulation to actually harm her as opposed to heal. And so things go from really good to really bad fast. Um, and it was sort of a dark night of the soul at that point of like, wow, what is going on? And I know nothing. So, and if you haven't figured out the main character is me and it is based on a true story. Wow. Okay. Wow. And so, um, so is this your first book, um, or, and will there be a, um, another book in the series? Yes, it is the first one. It's kind of the primer where I'm just teaching some basic things about energy. And, um, you know, when you think about it, even science will tell you uh, at the core levels, we are just energy. You know, I remember being back in high school where they would say um, subatomic particles are the smallest bits of matter. And now they say there is no matter, it's all energy. So I find that really fascinating. And so really it comes down to the quality of energy. Um, that's going to make the difference in everything. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting journey. The second book is a takeoff from the first, where I get deeper and deeper into the spiritual truths. And as I go through this really, you know, tumultuous dark night of the soul, um, it seems really spooky at first. And as I start to figure it out, all these spiritual truths are coming in. And um, they say that is kind of the journey of, you know, any healer going through a rite of passage, trying to figure out what is actually true. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, so in your work, um, you know, you mentioned you're going from, you know, a preliminary um, state. And what I mean by that is you know, you're laying the foundation for the great work that you're doing. And then the next book goes a little deeper. So are you trying to um, expose the reader to um, a new journey through your writing? Tell me, tell me about that because you, you laid it out very clearly. Is that what you're trying to do? Teach? Yes. Yes. I want people to understand that you know, energy does make a difference. And even our thoughts and intentions has an energetic frequency that's measurable in science. Um, and so we're putting this stuff out all the time without even being aware that we're doing it. And so I want the reader to really understand that and then to start understanding, wow, I can actually shift and change my world based on what I'm putting out there and, and when I'm allowing in. Mm -hmm. Never looked at. I've never looked at it from that perspective, but you're really um, bringing some concepts to life that's resonating with me because you know how when you meet somebody, you're like you, you automatically know you don't want to be around that person ever again, right? Yeah. And so, but that's the energy. So that's what you're. That's what you're saying. You know. So I'm learning more from you um, because normally I would be like. I don't, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I didn't want to be around that person. So it's their energy that they're actually bringing. Exactly. Right. And when you think of, you know, when you walk into a room and you can cut the tension with a knife, we all feel that. Mm -hmm. And it's the intangible that um, science is now able to measure, which is fascinating to me that it's catching up to what the, you know, the spiritual people or the mediums or psychics have always said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I find it really interesting. How did you kind of get started on this this path? You know, before you wrote your book, but you know, doing uh, healing sessions and um, do you have to do a lot of research, or I mean, what even made you think, oh, this is what I want to do, or this is this is who I am, and this is what I need to do? That's such a great question. I actually got very sick in my twenties. And um, nothing was working. Conventional medicine wasn't helping. And I just went out and thought, I am going to find someone who has some answers for me. And I tried everything um, 
holistic healing, natural healing, conventional medicine, everything. And I came upon this very wise and loving mentor who actually happened to be a Catholic nun, which was really funny because I was thinking, oh, I don't want to go to her. Um, but she was so wise when it came to spirituality and how the energy field and everything works. And she actually helped me get well. And I mentored under her for four years. And one day she said to me, I just want you to sit at my desk for a minute because one day you're going to do this for a living. And I thought, are you kidding me? No, I won't. But she was actually right. And eventually I found my way to studying energy healing, but that was my initial foundation. And she was so fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here um, thinking about what you do and, 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 and a book idea just immediately came to mind, you know, um, you know, someone being able to sit with someone and identify like the serial killer room, right? Yeah. Um, that just popped in my mind and that was so random. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm, you know, this person could come in the room and feel the energy and, and know, or, you know, when a child enters, you know, the room is like, yeah, you need to keep your eye on that one because, you know, um, something is not going to work out well um, as they grow up. So, um, no, you you have my, my mind uh, going. Um, and, and here's the thing. I am um, part of part of my personal development is to um, fit writing back into my life in a more, um, on a regular basis. And so for me to come up with that just now meant, meant that I am starting my process. So, so thank you. So thank you for that. Awesome. And it's true, isn't it? That writing is very healing for a person is a very healing and intimate journey as we write it's not just for the reader but it's as much for the writer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely is there an excerpt that you want to share with the uh with the audience uh so they can get a feel for your book or or did you want to you know talk more about you know some of the characters um in your book it's, it's definitely up to you how, yeah, how you I, I can um the excerpt that I'm thinking is more for um a book study where I wanted to offer people um almost like a little workshop where you use the book and it's a it's a very dramatic story but then I apply it to your own life and how energy is is working in your life uh, so that that's the excerpt I'd like to use where I'll just read it to you here. Uh, we often unknowingly put more chaos than harmony into the world. Then we wonder why our lives are a mess and the world is in shambles. We simply don't know how to access the incredible power within us. So, and that was very much... Um, thinking of the workshop that we we do have an amazing light within us and the biggest problem is that people don't know they have that we don't know how powerful love actually is you know that unconditional love is so so powerful and it heals pain um light illuminates darkness right so it you can take energy down to the simplest level of duality of dark and light or you know fear and love kind of thing. You know, um, as you're, as you were reading that passage, I can definitely see, um, a group of people, um, actually they start to journal, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can see this being an exercise that you give it to somebody and you ask them to, um, to write about the topic all week and how it's applicable you know, in, in all aspects of their life and for them to, to jot it down um, and then come back to the group and read it. I think there will be some really um, touching moments. Um, I think that there will be some times where people would probably just break break down um, because I think a lot of things will be revealed to them, not only um, about themselves, but about some of the people around them, right? You know, they may, you may come back and they may come back to the group and say, you know what? My cousin, I, I totally have to stay away um, from, from my cousin for a minute until I can really do more, more, more soul searching and how I can 
um, understand how to be able to communicate uh, with that particular person. So I, I definitely do see that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry. I, I can feel that too. I mean, I um, a lot of times I, I will write down things. I, I keep a journal. I keep several notebooks and write down ideas. But um, I, I always seem to have to distance myself from what um, I'm feeling um, or not feeling. So I use, I write it down to kind of help, um, you know, just get it off my chest. But then I also, the, um, I have some, I have depression and PTSD, but I tell you the, the other day I had my grand fur baby, uh, with me, uh, my son brought him over and just, having him sit on my lap letting me you know he always wanted to give me kisses and um it was just it was like the best day I had in a long time where I was actually feeling pretty good just just because of him being there and his energy uh that's very sweet yeah like and and one thing I think um it's important for people to know, you know, when we go through these difficult challenges in life, they can be an opportunity to really grow and open our hearts. And one of the things I learned, and it, you know, the journey went on for quite a while, it was about four years of really tough stuff. And uh, it really did, it opened my heart, it made me a more loving human being. And uh, we can always have that opportunity when we're going through something difficult. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so I guess that the next question, um, so when are you going to, when will the second book um, be ready? <laughs> you know, it's almost finished now. Um, I would think in roughly, I'm guessing the next four months, maybe, maybe three months. I don't think it'll be too long. Uh, it's just about finished now. And the notes for the book three, which is the last in the series, they're already done too. So they're coming. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, so it, it, it sounds like you, the, the way you write, you, you definitely are a planner, right? So you're a planner in how all of the books, you know, the messages in each of the books. And then you also know, do you know how the third book is going to end? I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> see well and it's really i didn't have to do a whole lot of planning because i just had to live it and note what was happening um so that's really interesting so you know people can if they want to write write about things that they know you know and then if they want to embellish it embellish it but you're always going to write something that you're familiar with hmm yeah that's interesting i i uh I may throw in a couple of things that I know, but most of my writing is um, on things that I don't. Mm -hmm. So I had to understand how to um, to <laughs> uh, um, so to cheat at, at playing poker. Well, first I had to under, I had to learn poker. Right. Th then I had to understand how people cheat at poker. <laughs> so <laughs> and so there's some learning. So there were some learning curves. Uh, in there for me and um and how to dispose of some bodies and other things like that but um but yeah yeah no I I get it so when you write what you when you write what you know um the writing is quicker because it's coming from a place of knowing so definitely definitely like that approach um as well yeah mm -hmm. something I always tell writers um you know when when you think back to high school English class teachers were always telling you to write what you know well I always tell anyone who wants to write write what you want to know you know so if you if you're familiar with something or there's a subject that you want to write about or you want to learn more about so you'll be able to have that knowledge then I think that is also important oh I love that so Amy so what I'm hearing you say when I'm in a jam, I can draw back on that experience of how to dispose of a body. So I can just draw on that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, 
Yes. Um, so you're writing another book and you have yeah. a similar situation. So I was thinking literally. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey. <laughs> but, but you do your research on it, you know. I mean, you don't have to physically go out and kill somebody just to write about somebody who kills somebody. You don't have to um, you know, go to a funeral home or go to a place where you could uh, or a body farm where you could they do have those where you could actually go uh, mostly scientists do it and uh, research the various decomposition um, parts of a body um, you can find that information um, you know if you find a good place to start for your research, um, you know, credible uh, places, you know, that you, you want to know. I mean, even my, my current project, I am finding so many different bits and pieces all over the place. Um, but I really, I, I have to go through each one and just determine what I, what I want to keep, what I want to put in. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's research at, at its best, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go do something you want to do. And, you know, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I resonate. <laughs> I do resonate with this also because there's a, when I first started writing, initially a friend was going to help me get the story out until I realized I could actually write. And I thought, well, I'm just going to write this the notes for this scene for you and then I thought well you don't know how the restaurant looked when I met this person you don't know what their demeanor was so I, I had to write in the details and then she said you just keep going uh you're doing great and that's how we kind of started and then also there's parts in the book that are completely you know fictionalized and uh I too was researching like okay how would someone manipulate energy for harm? And so I did have to look that stuff up also. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Dawn, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, the listeners can find your information on our website called Our Guests. Thank you for listening to The After Show. I'm Mackenzie Stewart. And I'm Amy Shannon. Anything that you need to know about us is on our website, wetheaftershow.wixsite.com slash home. Join us again next week. Have a good night. Bye. Bye, Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.